0: My name is Randy, and my wife Claire and I are the senior pastors of the church, and uh, it's a joy and a pleasure to be with you. Man, the spirit was on me big time on that Emmanuel sign. I don't know what was happening to anybody else out there, but uh, I was experiencing his presence like I haven't probably for years. Uh, It was kind of cool. Well, Christmas is a time that almost everyone looks forward to, uh stores, of course, begin their preparations earlier and earlier. It was amazing to me, right before Halloween, you know, like two or three weeks before Halloween, I'm hearing Christmas music in the store. I'm thinking, come on, let's get over Halloween. What about Thanksgiving? I mean, it's just it's sh- Christmas, everyone, please get ready for Black Friday. You know, I mean, it's crazy. But anyway, you know, my own children uh, count down the days, not till Christmas, but until we begin putting up the decorations. We celebrate on the Thanksgiving weekend as we, the next day, tend to begin to put up our decorations. This year, we did it here, and uh, they, along with numerous others, were here doing that. Uh, All of my daughters, when asked the question, you know, what's your favorite time of year, always say it's Christmas time, and, and when you ask them why, they say, well, we love the decorations, the pretty lights, we like sitting around the fireplace, sipping hot cocoa, listening to Christmas music. We love the feeling that we get at Christmas time. So, Christmas is a, a time of anticipation, it's a time of expectation of things to come. In December 1981, uh, Claire and I were putting up Christmas decorations in our little apartment. We were 24 years old, um, and our first daughter, Joy, was 10 months old at that time. And just a couple of weeks uh, earlier than that, we had learned of the death of a 25-year-old Christian friend of ours. He was a young husband. Uh, He had a brand new baby. He was very, very athletic. He exercised regularly. He appeared to be in great health, but sitting in a company meeting, he had a heart attack and died. So Claire and I are putting up our tinsel and colored lights and our Christmas stockings and our Santa Claus figurines and... We both just kind of looked at each other and we felt the emptiness and the meaninglessness of so much of the Christmas activities that we were familiar with. As we sat down and reflected on our friend's life and his early death, we looked around at our what to us in that moment appeared to be a Christless Christmas decorations. We made a decision to remove everything in our decorations and activities that did not in some way For us, remind us and point us to the real meaning of Christmas, the birth, life, and resurrection and death of Jesus. That day began, as we began literally to take back down Christmas decorations, we began a search for decorations and family holiday traditions that would assist us to focus on our attention on Jesus and on God at this season. One of those traditions that we found was one that has been celebrated by many, many churches throughout the centuries. And that's what's called Advent. The word Advent means coming. And it has reference to the coming of Jesus in various ways. Of course, his coming as a baby born in Bethlehem. His coming as well, though, in the person of the Holy Spirit in the Christian's life and then his final advent or coming in glory and majesty at his second coming. Advent is used as a time of preparation of our hearts and our lives for the celebration yet to come of Christ's birth. Originally in the church, that preparation included abstinence and weekly fasting. The four weeks of Advent are marked by a spirit of expectation anticipation, preparation, and longing. The focus of the season is the celebration of the birth of Jesus in his first advent and the anticipation of his coming again in his second. The advent wreath, as is used here, is one of the elements of the advent season. And the wreath has symbolic meanings to it. And those symbols point to us or even Participate in telling the Christmas story. The exact meaning given to the various elements and aspects of the wreath are not really as significant as the story in which it invites us to listen and to participate. The wreath is round, reminding us of the eternality and the never ending love of God. It's made of evergreens and we always chuckingly say in our home very very evergreen as in this case they're plastic and plastic doesn't disintegrate right so okay and evergreens remind us of the gift of life and our future eternal life there are candles and they remind us as they do on a cake that it's time to celebrate a birthday and whose birthday is coming Yes, a few of yours and Jesus's. We have two daughters with birthdays in December. One at the beginning and one at the end. It's a very fun time. Matthew begins his story of the birth of Jesus, quoting from the prophet Isaiah. And he said, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. Light, therefore, reminding us of the presence and power of God. In 1 John 1.5, John said, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And then in John 8.12, Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Each of the weeks of Advent, a new candle is lit along with the previous candle, causing the light to grow and increase, even as God's presence is also increasing in our lives and in the world. The Advent season includes the four Sundays prior to Christmas and then Christmas Day itself, which we will all be celebrating on our own with our own family groups. As a family, we attempt to gather in our living room each of the Sundays of Advent to reflect and consider the true meaning of Christmas, preparing our hearts and minds to celebrate Jesus, God's beloved Son. And we've provided, actually Melissa has provided to you some of the tools, some of the traditions that Claire and I have found and implemented over the years to help us in this season. And I believe that if you didn't get that last week, that those packets are still available for you. So we do this as a family by considering one of the elements that Jesus came to bring as a part of the Advent time, reading a passage of the Christmas story, reciting a memory verse, singing a Christmas carol, much like we did this morning together, and then we pray together as a family. As a church, over the next four Sundays, we too will reflect and consider four things that Jesus came to bring. But before we head there, let's pray. Papa, we are thankful for a season, a time to reflect and consider you, the sending of your son, taking the form in humanity, the frailty, the challenges, the pain that we each face. And yet in his coming, he has come to bring life. Help us as we consider these elements of what Jesus came to bring over these next few weeks. Might they stir our hearts and fill us with the greatness of who you are? And might that overflow in this season? Might we, when we shop, when we're standing in line, when we're paying at the gas station. Be one of those who is not a creep at Christmas, but one who is like unto Christ. Lord, let us lay down our lives, the package off the shelf that we wanted to grab, to give to others as a reflection of your great gift. Father, as we consider the this topic this morning, I welcome you to stir our hearts and to gain from it that which Jesus came to bring. And for our guests, Holy Spirit, I particularly would welcome you to come and fill them with the fullness of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. The first candle, as has been communicated and shared with us, reminds us of the light of hope that the prophets in the Old Testament had as they looked forward to the day when God would send a Savior to bring peace and love to the world. And this painting was um, painted by one of our own members, Cindy McBride, um, as an expression of love and care to our church, to our family. Clara commissioned her to do that. Um, It is a beautiful painting. I would encourage you to to come up a little closer afterwards and see that. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll see a couple of more of those that will point us towards each of these elements. You know, our world is in no less need of hope than was that season and time of the prophets or even at the coming of Jesus.
1: A real warrior never quits. Watch me! (sighs) Come on! How am I supposed to beat Tai Lung? I can't even beat you to the stairs! You will beat him because you are the Dragon Warrior! Ow! You don't believe that! Oh! You never believed that! From the first moment I got here, you've been trying to get rid of me! Yes! I was! But now I ask you to trust in your master as I have come to trust in mine! You're not my master. And I'm not the dragon warrior. Then why didn't you quit? You knew I was trying to get rid of you, yet you stayed. Yeah, I stayed. I stayed because every time you threw a brick at my head or said I smelled, it hurt. But it could never hurt more than it did every day of my life just being me. I stayed because I thought if anyone could change me, could make me... Not me, it was you, the greatest kung fu teacher in all of China! But I can change you, I can turn you into the Dragon Warrior, and I will! Come on, Tai Long is on his way here right now, and even if it takes him a hundred years to get here, how are you gonna change this into the Dragon Warrior, huh? How? How? I don't know. I don't know. That's what I thought.
0: Ho needed hope. He came with a hope. Not initially to be a dragon warrior. What was his hope? Something different. What was the different that he was longing for? Himself to be changed. We all need hope. We're all longing for something more. You know, if we had to characterize the general population in America, perhaps worldwide, in only a few words, I would say that we're a people who are hurting, disconnected, fearful, and alone. The personal issues of Anxiety, rebellion, emptiness, abuse, addictions, family disintegration. These are simply symptoms of our brokenness and the unwholeness that we experience in as people. The world issues of crime, political unrest, terrorism, financial instability, natural disasters. They're symptoms of a greater brokenness and an unwholeness in our world. The 60s song said, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's true. But one of the other great needs of our world today is hope. Dictionary.com defines hope this way. To look forward to with confidence or expectation. A wish or desire accompanied by confident expectation of its fulfillment. But I would suggest that the real issue about hope is not so much that we do not have it. But what is it that we have hope in? Now help me, if you would, just for a minute. What are, what are some of the things people in our country place their hope in? Just one at a time. Can I raise your hand at all? Finances, a job, relationships, education. I'm sorry, Dave, a savings account, success, the lottery. Yeah, maybe this one will be it, right? Yes, some look to the government. You know, this last race, uh, our president-elect based it all on change. And he was elected in because of a hope for a change, for something better. While hoping in these things is not necessarily inappropriate, most of them have the ability to fail us. And when they do, we feel like Pope. We're hopeless. How am I going to be changed? How is our world going to be changed? But there is someone to place our hope in that will not disappoint us. Listen to these words from the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is called many things throughout the Bible. God our healer. God our deliverer. God our Savior, God our salvation, God our strength, God our dwelling place, our rock, God our Father. But here God is called our God, our hope. You know, as Hurricane Ike hit the Gulf Coast in September, people needed hope. As banks and major corporations and financial systems around the world seem to be teetering on financial catastrophe, we all need hope. Single moms and dads facing financial difficulties and the challenges of raising children alone need hope. Those of you who are without work or whose income is not sufficient to make ends meet need hope. Those of you who are single who go home to an empty house or apartment day after day and are feeling alone need hope. Marriages that are struggling need hope. Every one of us is in need of hope. Hope in something that can touch our circumstances and our needs. Something that will overcome our own failures and shortcomings. Hope in something beyond ourselves. And that hope can only be found in God. Who the Bible declares to be the God of hope. So, when we do have hope, what does that feel like? When someone is hopeful, expectant, anticipating, what's the feelings? Peace, excitement, relief, energized. But you know, Again, when we think about the things in the world that we place our hope in, it's hard to have some of those feelings because, along with the hope that our president elect will bring changes, there's also the I wonder if that's not really going to happen. Or we find we're getting a raise and we're hopeful, but then we wonder, well, how much is it? Ten cents a month, you know, ten cents an hour over the years, not a lot. Helps a little bit. So hope has an interesting element to it in that, based on what we're hoping in, will measure or um, give us a ceiling for what those experiences, those feelings of hope. But that's not true with God. In the Bible, we see story after story after story after story of people who are just whose lives are a mess, just like ours. Just like those that you know. And yet we see God turning evil for good. The Apostle Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. That we might overflow with hope. When we place our trust in God rather than in ourselves or the things around us, Paul says that the God of hope will fill us with joy and peace. Four or so years ago, I was uh, extremely sick for about six months. I was hospitalized twice. During that time, I and our family, our church, faced uh, pretty significant difficult circumstances. I Can't really speak for others, but during that time, as difficult as it was, I made the choice to place my trust in God. And in so doing, I experienced his peace. I also experienced joy as a result of the love and the concern of my family and my church family. In considering the topic of hope in God, I, I want to address a hindrance that I think many of us face. In Ephesians chapter three, verses twenty-one and twenty-one, twenty and twenty-one, excuse me. Paul gives us a very hopeful picture. He says, "Now to him, God, who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be." Glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. By the way, that all generations, that's you. And your parents and your kids and your grandkids. To all generations. But notice that the means that God is able to accomplish far more than all we can ask or imagine is a result not that God changes the circumstances around us. He changes us. By the power at work within us, God is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. I don't know about you, but I can imagine a lot of things that I would like different about my life. A little more hair, a little less weight a little bit more ability to eat sweets like I would like. But the means is that God changes us in order to accomplish abundantly far more than we could hope or think or ask. I would advocate, however, that because of our Christian view of the sovereignty of God, We are tempted to think of the Christian life in a passive way. God is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. So he can take care of everything. Right? Well, yes and no. Christianity is not passive. Instead, it is to be very active but not in the way that so many other religions are active. Other religions tend to be about do. Christianity is about done. In regard to salvation and right relationship with God, it's done, having been completed on the cross by Jesus. But after that, the work begins. And our work is faith. Faith is defined by Hebrews 11 is action taken by us according to belief in something that God has said or done. Jumping back to the silly little video. The master, Shofu, I can change you. Tofu, whatever it is. Shifu, I can change you. How? 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 I don't know. How is this going to work in our lives? God says, I can produce abundantly above and beyond anything you can ask and think. How? How? Let me tell you the answer. The answer is prayer. While all-powerful and all-knowing, God acts according to our prayers, which to some, based on their theology of the sovereignty of God, would seem to limit God's power, to limit God's activity on the earth. If God only acts according to our prayers, then he's limited. If we don't pray it, if someone doesn't pray it, it won't get done. That's what I'm advocating, but that would that challenges our sovereignty in thinking. Well, God is somehow then less powerful. He's not all powerful. If He was all powerful, He couldn't couldn't be limited by us. And isn't that what goes on in some of you, some of your heads? Anybody dealt with this? Let me give you an illustration. One of my son-in-laws, Matt Anderson, has a very fast little sports car. And that car has sufficient power to run at 120 miles per hour without a glitch for long distance. It was made in Europe. When Matt drives the car at 70 miles an hour instead of 120, like he might be tempted to do, he is limiting the car's power. But it doesn't make the car any less powerful. It still can run at 120, but what his action is taking appears to limit that power. The car and the driver operate together. Both are needed for the car to express its power and its performance. Through prayer, we facilitate the expression of God's power and performance. If we leave the car in the garage... Its power and performance, while still present and able, is not evident. It's not as evident as when it's being driven all over town or on the highway at 120. But the car is just as powerful in the garage as it is driving. Is it not? It's powerful. It is very powerful. God is all-powerful whether we pray or not. We do not limit God's power By somehow limiting him that we don't pray. But there is an expression of that power to be released that requires our participation. If we don't pray, God's power and ability to change us and our circumstances will be hindered or diminished, though still present and waiting. So why don't we pray more? Why don't we pray more? We don't have time. We don't take the time. Lazy. Lack of expectation. I would say lack of faith. I would say that those of us who don't pray, in contrast to the few in this room who probably do, we don't believe that our prayers make a difference. We've believed a lie. We've believed that God, being all sovereign, will take care of everything, whether we do anything or not. And it's not true. Paul said in that verse, and I'm going to, it's not on the screen, I'm just going to read it again. Now, to him who, by the power at work within us, is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. There is an activation, there's a partnering that occurs. We think it will simply get done without our starting the car, putting it in gear, and pushing on the gas pedal. But that's not true. That car will go nowhere, sitting in the garage without the keys in it, without a driver. Now let me give you another image that we could use. That would be that of God being like a wave that a surfer must catch if he or she is going to ride it. I didn't surf as a kid, although I had a brother who did, but we went to the beach every summer, and uh, I had a raft, a little rubber raft that was blown up, not like the flimsy, thin little stuff of today, but more of a canvas, heavy um, raft. And my mom and I would go out in the waves, and we would catch waves and, and ride them in. I can remember not wearing a shirt and, and my whole chest being rubbed raw by the canvas of the um the thing, so I learned to wear a t shirt when I was in the water writing it. It was a great it was very fun, very fond memories that I have of that era. But with a wave, you have to catch it if you're simply in front of it, what happens? <laughs> Boom, I mean, yeah, I mean I've anybody been hit by a wave? crashing on you? What happens under the water to your body? You think you're going to die and may not ever find the surface again. So we wait in expectation and anticipation of the wave that's coming. God's power is presence. And then we join him in that and we have to paddle. We have to join that activity and, and be in there in that wave. And by doing that, then it carries us Towards the shore. God's unlimited power is always available. But we have to partner with that grace, that empowerment, by applying faith. Which is made up of belief and action. I believe that God's power is able to change my circumstance. So I pray inviting and welcoming that power to do that. I join it. Paul says that the God of hope will fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. God's part in that his wave of joy and peace is moving. It's rolling by you. It's within reach. But you have to apply hope and take action to apply belief through word and deed. Now, I'm a person sadly who tends toward negativism or pessimism kind of sort of part of the personality orientation that I have and when I give in to those attitudes and talk about things in a negative and pessimistic way I am not applying trust in God I'm giving in to despair and hopelessness and thereby give those negative things power to sweep me into its shore of the rocks. Rather than catching the wave of God's hope and power, at times I allow these undercurrents of despair and hopelessness to pull me down under the circumstances, and I feel the water surge over my head. Rather than giving in to negativism and pessimism, speaking out and giving power to those things, we need to give in to hope and trust in God, declaring the truth of who He is and what He is able to do. How are you doing under the circumstances? What in the world are you doing under the circumstances? Take, take a risk. No. Now, how's it go? Be careful. That's it. We say to people when we depart from one another, be careful. <laughs> be careful. You know what? Car going to hit me? My senior pastor, that's why the take a risk, he, he was the one who pointed that out to me in Phoenix, that, uh, Dennis Borns, and began changing. He stopped saying, be careful, and he began saying, take a risk. He's a very bold, outgoing guy and has taken a lot of risks and has done a lot for God. Our words empower the world's thinking. Many of which we don't, we're not even alert to. So we need to be able to reflect not on our circumstances so much but on who is above those circumstances. That's... What we see the psalmist doing over and over and over again throughout the psalms. Let me read to you three psalms. The psalmist is facing very, very difficult times. He has very genuine cries of human despair. Psalms 3, 1 and 2. O Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Psalms 13:2. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Psalms 18, 4 and 5. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me, the snares of death. Confronted me. But in almost every case, following the psalmist's acknowledgments of his difficulties are declarations of God's power and faithfulness to act. Let me read those same three verses and the accompanying verses immediately following them Psalms 3 1 through 4. O Lord, how many are my foes, how many rise against me. Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him, but you are a shield around me. O Lord, you bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud and he answers me from his holy hill. Psalms 13, 5 and 6. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. And Psalms 18, 4 through 19, parts and pieces. The cords of death entangled me, the torrents of destruction overwhelmed me, the cords of the grave coiled around me, and the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord, I cried to my God for help, and from his temple he heard my voice, my cry came before him into his ears, he parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemies. great bolts of lightning and routed them. He reached down from on high and he took hold of me and he drew me up out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delights in me. David was a sinner. He messed up a lot. But he knew who God was. And he knew what he needed to do to deal with the challenges of his circumstances, whether they be his enemies outside or his own life inside. Many of us here are facing difficult circumstances. And whether those difficulties are personal, national, or at an international level, God wants not only to give you hope as you trust in him, but he wants you And he wants us, as his followers, to have overflowing hope. Hope that goes beyond what we need so that we, as his people, can give a supply of hope to our often very hopeless world. We have spoken over these last month and a half around the topic of outflow. And I would advocate that each of these elements that we're going to look at in the next four weeks... Of things that God brings. God bringing. That it is not just solely for us. But it is for the world. Through us. That just as Jesus came to bring hope. So we. As his kids. As reflections of him. Would bring hope. Listen again to Paul's words. From Romans 15.13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the ways that God's powers is at work within us is with hope. Hope for ourselves, but hope that also overflows because of our trust in God to be a provision and an attraction to those who are without hope. Who, seeing our hope, are drawn like moths to a light. To a hope in something that can touch their circumstances and their needs. To a hope in something that will overcome their own failures and shortcomings to a hope in something beyond themselves to a hope in the god of hope and his son jesus in whom is found hope hebrews 6:18 and 19 so god has given us both his promise and his oath these two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for god to lie Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can take new courage, for we can hold on to his promise with hope. And this hope is like a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we honor your presence here. We honor your power to fill us with overflowing hope. We see and reflect on a man like David, a man like us, who, when challenged, did not give in to despair and hopelessness, but rode the wave of who you are and your power and your ability to overcome, to reach down into the seas of our lives and draw us up out of the deep waters that have overwhelmed us, and to lift us up upon strong land, that you would be a rock. Beneath our feet. Lord so many many images. And paintings. Of your word. That demonstrate. That you are a God of hope. So many many stories. That have been given to us. Of your ability. To accomplish good through evil. Lord, come and do that now for us too. Lord, renew our minds with these understandings. Might we put off the lies that we have believed that because you're sovereign and you're all powerful that we can sit passively by hoping and and sort of waiting for you just to do something. Lord, that is a lie. And instead, you have welcomed us to partner with you to catch that wave of your power and ability through prayer. Oh God, teach us to pray. Lord, renew our minds that we would believe that prayer makes a difference and that when we don't pray, pray that things don't change except by others' prayers. Oh, God, we are a needy people. And, Lord, we stand as those representatives to our world, to our neighbors, to those we work with, Lord, as the paintings of Christ. As they look at us and they see our lack of hope, they are not drawn to the God of hope. And so stir us, Lord. Empower us to be people of hope. Father, I know that there are many here who are facing um, significant challenges, work issues, marital issues, uh, children, health issues, questions and decisions about the future. O God of hope, fill them with your peace. Stir them to pray, to welcome you to accomplish your super abundant ability to accomplish what we cannot even ask or think. how we'll conclude um, this time is fairly simply if you're in um, need of hope for any circumstance or situation would you stand and then what we're going to do is welcome those around you to join with you to see God stir hope And if we've got a whole row of five like this, maybe you can step out into the aisle a little bit to allow folks to get near you. And I welcome each of you here to help and partner to be Jesus right now, to be a wind of God's hope for these who need hope. And I would encourage, if you're able, as those of you who are going to be receiving prayer, if you would be able to share what that area is that you need hope for, that would be great. If you're uncomfortable sharing that with the person who comes to pray, then just, just say, um, it's a pretty significant need. Something like that will be okay. But if you're able to share that, um, that might help them as they pray. So those of you who are sitting, if you would rise and um, turn and find someone near you, um there's about as many standing as there are sitting, so any of you that can help and partner would be awesome. Grace to you. Might you be filled with his hope. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week to see what God is going to bring us then.